Coaches Rising podcast. I am Joel and this is episode number 16 and this podcast is all about being an extraordinary coach. I'm going to be speaking with pioneers and thought leaders in this field and sharing that with you guys and I'm pretty excited because I just actually got off recording the latest podcast that you're about to listen to and it's a cool topic. We're going to be speaking about the future of coaching. I'm going to be talking to uh, David B. Peterson, who is director of Google's Center of Expertise on Leadership Development. Uh, he's a real kind of thought leader and pioneer in the field of coaching. And, and also he's the one of the co-founders of Seven Paths Forward. We'll be speaking about that today. So the future of coaching. It was a few weeks back that I had the idea that I wanted to explore this topic and I searched it and I found David's presentation on the future of coaching and I read through it, looked through it and I felt both incredibly excited and disturbed at the same time. So I decided to reach out to him and set up this conversation. So we're going to be exploring a few things today. We're going to be exploring how right now things have never been better for coaches. We're in this golden period of coaching but that is not going to last, that there are a number of things looming on the near horizon that could potentially highly disrupt coaching, the field of coaching. So we're going to be exploring what are those things. And then we're going to explore how we can stay ahead of the curve as coaches. How can we prepare ourselves and stay highly relevant in this coming future? So it's a it's a really fascinating topic, and I, I really hope you enjoy it. So let's just dive straight in. So David, super cool to be speaking with you today. I'm excited to to speak to you. Let me just set a bit of context. I um, had this idea to um, to explore the future of coaching with Coaches Rising, our company, and so I went online and I and I searched the future of coaching, and the first thing I came across was a presentation that you've made. And I just felt completely excited. It really, um, it really touched something inside of me. And so I'd love to, you know, straight away after that, I kind of reached out to you and, and you uh, graciously agreed to speak to me. So I'd love to explore that today because I think it's such an important topic for, for coaches. So yeah, thanks for being with me today. My pleasure. Um, maybe I could start by asking you what inspired you to, to create that presentation? I'm going to go way back in time. Uh, about 20 years ago, uh, I was doing a lot of coaching with people in high tech. So back then, Hewlett Packard, Intel, that kind of, of company, before companies like Google even existed. And I noticed something that everyone will recognize. Every year, laptops, PCs were smaller, faster, cheaper. And I looked around and said, why is coaching becoming more bloated, slower, more expensive? And what can I do to follow this PC laptop model, which we now see, you know, showing up in phones primarily, um, smaller, faster, cheaper, more features, more processing power every single year. And I still see coaches kind of being complacent, bloated, looking for bigger and longer engagements. How can we get retainer uh, arrangements and make a lot of money for a long time? Instead of saying, how can we have shorter, higher impact engagements? So 
20 years ago, I started thinking about how do I prepare for this inevitable time when, you know, the things will be faster, cheaper, smaller, more lightweight, greater processing speed. I want to follow that model. Mm. And so that has just continually led me to experiment, to try new things, to repeatedly look for ways to be faster, better, cheaper, and simultaneously go deeper with my clients to lead to more lasting change and uh, in, in, in ideally transformational change. And also, how do I make it more rewarding for me and my clients? You know, so I, I spent some time early in this process trying to be faster, better, um, you know, get better results for my clients. And I started finding out, like, what's in it for me? You know, that if, if I'm going to sustain this over the long haul, I need to make sure that these engagements are really rewarding for both of us. Mm. And so that sort of relentless passion has led to just looking at what's next. How do I prepare for that? Simultaneously, um, the, the technology industry, you know, has really uh, moved to a very exponential kind of model. So you see this really, really rapid cycle of change. And if you know an exponential curve, it, it tends to look like it's very flat at the beginning. It goes slow and you say, oh, this is going to be transformational. Like, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And then boom, you know, suddenly it's like, oh, where did that come from? And so you, you see these disruptive changes. Uber is, is one of the best examples. Um, blockchain is, is going to be another one where we're seeing lots of little signals, hasn't transformed us yet. But one of these days, blockchain technology in coaching, potentially um, in financial transactions, is going to just show up as, as an exponential outcome. So all of those things leading to how do we prepare for the future? Studying the future, what's going on in technology, what's going to change, what's happening in the, in the state of leadership, just really trying to make sense of that and be prepared. And then why did I do these presentations? To help other coaches prepare, mm. um, to, to make sure that we've got a really good profession that people are prepared and not surprised. I, I like what you say because I'm, I'm one of those coaches you talked about, you know, in a way. Like, that's why I like hearing these opinions, you know, which, which may be a little bit um, uh, disturbing to me. You know, it's like I like to coach people for a long time and I like to go. So I'm glad you said faster, better, deeper as well. You know, that it's not just about doing more coaching faster, you know, um, more micro bite sized coaching, but it's actually still about depth and transformation and, and rich and rewarding experiences. So, um, yeah. And yeah, you know, I, I can imagine there's a lot of coaches listening who are like, what's he saying? You know, like bloated coaching over long, you know. And, and yet, let's, that's the whole point of, of I think, our conversation. One of the points of our conversation today is we're actually going to, uh, I'm going to invite people to, to, to listen in a way that may be confronting or disturbing so that we can stay ahead of that curve, you know, like that disruption that you're talking about. So maybe we can paint um, a picture of... Um, Maybe like coaching's going great now. And maybe you can share a little bit about the work you do as well. You're working with with you know with leaders, uh, high profile leaders. Maybe you can share a bit of that, and and then we can start to just talk about 
coaching now, but then this disruption that's coming and how we can stay ahead of that curve. That's a lot I've just put in there, but I'll just see what you pick up. Well, I think what we are seeing right now is what I've started thinking about is the, the golden age of coaching. So a lot of the trends that we're seeing in terms of increased complexity, in, increased pace of change, you know, increased the, the leadership uh, challenge is escalating exponentially as well. So it's, it's much more difficult for leaders to make sense of their world. They're having a hard time uh, keeping pace with things. I've, I start many of my presentations with a quote uh, from Gary Hamill. You know, the, the, the concept is the world is becoming more turbulent, faster than most organizations are becoming more resilient. Mm. And I think that applies to leaders. The world is changing faster than most leaders can keep pace. It applies to coaches. The world is changing faster than most coaches can keep up. And so the demands around us are escalating rapidly. People are turning to coaches as, you know, I need someone to help me think this through. I need some advice. I need new skills. I need someone who I can talk to and, and get some you know, new perspectives. And coaches who can help people shift their mindset, who can help coaches, uh, can help their clients build new skills are really in demand right now. Mm. And so all of that work um, is, is creating this huge demand for coaches. And you see um, people coming into the marketplace uh, people getting paid more and more money, especially the better coaches. So a little commoditized at lower levels in the organization. You know, there, there's this, uh, as we get a glut of coaches who are pretty good, mm. um, you know, the rates are going down at that level. Rates, pay rates are going up for the best coaches. Mm. But I think it's, it's really a golden age. Anybody who wants to be a coach can probably find decent work, mm. you know, make a decent living at this. I don't expect that golden age to last very long, three years, five years, maybe uh, until some of the things that are um, changing in technology start to come online, virtual reality, augmented reality, bots, you know, the, uh, apps that will help people learn. So there's, there's a lot of change coming from the technology industry that I think will be disruptive to what coaches do. One of the things that, you know, when I talk about that, coaches will often say, well, but we have this relationship. It's hard to think of, you know, they, they, they would put their trust in some technology rather than in me. And I, I am perplexed by that because if you think about some of the advantages of technology, it's mm -hmm. always there. It's, it has access to all the world's information. It can teach, it can observe, and it's not judgmental, and it's virtually free. Right. So, yeah, I really like you, but you're not as smart as my app. You're not as omnipresent. You're, you're more judgmental and critical. You're not available whenever I want you. And so, yeah, I like the relationship, but I already have a bunch of friends and family and colleagues that you know, take care of that need. So what, why am I paying you so much money? I, you know, I think that's the dynamic that's going to shift over time, that just being someone who pays attention and listens is not going to be sufficient to sustain the rates that people are paying today. So mm -hmm. that, that to me is one of the big drivers. 
Just to, just to add something, I want to, um, yep. I spoke to somebody who's been working with AI or avatars and, and therapy and coaching already. And um, she said the same thing. She said, you know, the very thing that people say is like, you know, why you don't want to interact with a robot with an AI interface. But she said, that's the very thing that people like about it because it's non-judgmental. Yeah. It's, it's truly non-judgmental. And, and that's been very surprising to me. And, and Well, I'm sorry, yeah. our time is up. I have to go. Like, wait, but we're just getting into the good stuff. No, right. the app is there. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. on your schedule, not on the coach's schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you could say more about some of these disruptive uh, technologies or, or uh, things that are, that are on the horizon. Yeah. Bef- before I get into the technology. Sure. Because I think that, that's what people find really super sexy and interesting and, you know, want to mm. learn more about I actually think there are a couple more mundane Mm. disruptions on the way as well. Um, One is that leaders are getting better at learning for themselves. Mm. You know, so they're, they're, they're faced with more challenge. They have to be more reflective. They have to figure things out sooner. They, they have to become self-directed learners. So they're getting better at this. And in the past coaches could, Oh, let me give you some feedback. And you know, here's a tip. But now leaders are saying, oh, I'm already out there getting feedback for myself. I ask people in every meeting, you know, for feedback. You know, what could I do to be more effective? That's becoming a skill that they're internalizing. They're, take, they're, they're not necessarily as reflective on their own as they are with a coach, but they're getting better at that. They're recognizing I need to step back from time to time and make sense of what's happening and step back and think, and where am I going and connect to my goals. They have to have a stronger sense of personal vision, you know, which is something that coaches have been trying to teach them for a long time. So a lot of what coaches are doing, we're being disintermediated by the leaders themselves who are able to do more of that and using technology um, to, to get, you know, to tools for seeking feedback, for example, they're just mm-hmm. online. So you can go, go get them. That's another driver that I think is really going to be disruptive. That's very mundane, mm-hmm. but if I can teach myself, I can get my own feedback. I can do my own reflection. I can access new skills and capabilities from the internet or from my colleagues. Again, my question is, you know, why am I paying you so much money as my coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other part of that is because their worlds are changing and they're dealing with complexity at a different scale than they have in the past. Listening skills and you know, conflict management and influencing some of the, the bread and butter of what coaches have taught people are less and less uh, relevant or the context has changed. It's how do I influence across cultures, across languages, across time zones, across very different organizational structures? And so the complexity of their challenge, I'm not sure that coaches are keeping up with that as much as they need to. So mm-hmm. th- those kinds of changes, I think, are equally likely to be disruptive to the current coaching business. Just to say something on that, because it's, it's I've spoke to people about this, and it's like we're in a kind of leadership dojo right now, you know, with all the complexity and uncertainty that we're faced with and leaders are faced with it, it, it's it's in, we have to you know it's like swim swim or sink you know that that it is inviting us to to develop these qualities and capacities that you're talking about here 
So, yeah. And we always said as coaches, you know, my job is like maybe to make myself redundant, but do we, did we really mean that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and making ourselves redundant by enabling the person to you know, drive more of their own development, to face new challenges, that's great. But then we have to advance ourselves toward the next challenge that the leader faces. So I, I see, uh, you know, going back to this PC, your laptop kind of model of um, always smaller, cheaper, faster, better that has evolved. I need to be anticipating the next disruption and preparing myself so that when leaders, you know, bump into these new challenges, they say, oh, I'm going to call David. And, you know, yes, I am ready to help you on this new challenge of yours that you're not equipped for because Mm. I've been preparing for that. Mm. So we have to be um, shifting to the next paradigm faster than our clients are. That is the only sustainable, not, not the only, I like, I occasionally speak in hyperbole, but that is probably the best model for um, being, you know, having a viable profession as a coach. There are others. So um, I I speak a lot about being fast followers. So not all coaches need to be innovators and ahead of Mm -hmm. the shift in paradigms, but they have to be good at following fast, you know, Mm -hmm. learning. Okay. Now I see that. I need to go study that and shift what I'm doing. Yeah. Before we jump into too many of the, these kind of attitudes or mindsets that coaches can take, maybe we could, maybe there are some more of these disruptive uh, trends that are, that are on the horizon. Maybe we could point out, I know tech was one, but I don't know if there are any others that, that um, had you mentioned that yeah, leaders are getting better at learning. That's one. And so, yeah, are there any others that come to mind? So the more direct competition to what coaches are doing, coaching is a skill that is being more and more embedded in other resources. So peers are better and better at coaching. I just saw two um, um, emails, um, blogs, essentially, from different companies saying, you know, they're they're focused on peer-to-peer coaching and mentoring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, teaching people how to do that. So our, everybody else is getting better at this. HR is taking on coaching skills. They're building that into their job. Many organizations, even uh, lots of physicians, for example, are talking about developing coaching cultures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coaching is being built into the, the nature of the work that they do. Some organizations are now calling managers coaches instead of managers because they're saying their role is not to manage work or people, but to coach people to, mm. to be better at this. So the, the coaching process itself is being absorbed by other people in different roles. And the more complicated kinds of coaching are being picked up by really, really low cost resources. Mm. A number of companies are coming along that have packages of, you know, online content, coaching resources that are available on call. You know, you just dial in, you get a video conference with a coach, just in time coaching, really, really, you know, $35 an hour, something like that, that you can get a coach online to work with you on whatever topic you have uh, in real time. So those things, you know, driving down the, the, the prices, making coaching more available to the masses, those are other disruptive forces as well. 
the, the, the one that I'm most intrigued by right now, so a little bit of moving back to some of the technology again, is the um, physiological monitoring mm. and, and real-time feedback. So, you know, imagine, um, you, you know, that people have watches or that you have heart monitors, those kinds mm. of things. You can get um, feedback on your stress level, your, you know, your um, energy level. So you might get a, a device that's saying, you know, you're entering a peak performance period in your biorhythm. You know, th this is when you should be scheduling your most difficult meetings or your energy level has really dipped. Go for a walk or mm -hmm. do something, you know, or you're not paying attention in this meeting right now. So imagine that you're, you're getting that biophysical feedback and you've got a little device that's, you know, projecting a, a, an image in front of you. So it's giving you the tips and it's saying, here's what you should do right now to engage your audience or to amp up your energy level or to you know, channel what you're doing towards something more productive. In this state, you might want to consider reading a book right now versus um, leading a keynote activity. So think about you know, the next time this comes up. So we're gonna start getting um, information like that. The technology exists already today to, you know, again, using some kind of device or even a computer screen mm -hmm. to see the, the audience's eye movements and say, you know, they're, 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 people are stopping to paying attention to you. You know, you're losing eye contact with your Amazing. audience. <laughs> and so you can see that on a computer screen, they, that they can read the level of, of eye contact, say you're losing your audience or your audience is really riveted to what you're saying right now versus, or, or they're all looking at their other devices and give you tips on what you could do in the moment to you know, get their attention back. So you know, all of that kind of stuff, real time, reading your audience, telling you what's going on, um, giving you tips on how to um, communicate more effectively with this audience right now. All that stuff is available right now. It's, it's expensive, it's not easy to use, but it's one of those exponential changes it's going to take a while to get there. And then suddenly it's going to be available. Yeah. So presumably in, in not so far away, uh, you know, there will be plugged in to this technology that disrupts our performance in the moment and uh, improves our performance in some way. And, and then again, you know, that brings up the question, what is the role the coach is playing? Because the coach isn't in that kind of relationship with people, is he? Generally the, the coach is, uh, you know, working, uh, talking about something that's about to happen or that has happened and making sense of it. And maybe there's still place for that reflection, but yeah, incredibly powerful. What you're talking about. I was just exploring this Spire device. You, you wear it on your belt and it tracks your breathing. Uh -huh. So it, it tracks, you know, if your breathing is shallow or if uh, it's full and easy and therefore what state are you in? And again, you know, it's like the technology's kind of working pretty good, but not but it, I think in a few, you know, it's, it's going to be excellent in a few years, isn't it? Yeah, the brainwave trackers, you know, same kind of thing. Right now, 
um, you know, the, what you have, the, the apparatus that you have to wear, it, you're not going to walk around wearing something like this. You know, it's, it's goofy looking and you to, wired and connected. But pretty soon there will be, you know, probably a couple little devices, some you stick somehow that, that are not very visible, that are not distracting, that are monitoring, monitoring your brain waves and your brain activity. Mm-hmm. So getting that real-time feedback on that. Yeah, so all of this is in the foreseeable future. And of course, then we've got things like um, neurohacking, you know, with, with, with uh, neurotropics and things like that, the, that we can ingest to increase our performance too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, performance enhancing drugs, you know, better memory, smarter, more alert, more attentive, you know, those kinds of, of enhancements as well. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe maybe there are some more disruptions on the and this is the thing why I, I like about exploring this kind of stuff because it makes me it disturbs me it's like oh shit like yeah so what can i do and maybe that's where we start to go in our conversation now um but i just want to i want to point that out to people that may be listening is is that that you know we may, maybe we don't want to hear some of this stuff but it's it's good to hear it and it's good to reflect because it can give us the possibility to to adapt and stay ahead of that curve so maybe that's uh, where we could go now you know like how can we as coaches i mean maybe you maybe you have a vision for coaching how it can stay relevant and therefore we can speak about how coaches can stay relevant ahead of this curve or maybe it's all doom and gloom i don't know um I think it's doom and gloom if you are a complacent coach who likes what you're doing right now and just wants to make more money because that, that is not a viable future. So it, it, but it's not doom and gloom at all if you like learning and want to adapt and want to meet future needs. So to, to me, there are three fundamental um, behaviors or, or, um, ingredients, let's say that, for staying viable and, and adapting to the future. And we, a colleague, a couple of colleagues of mine and I have actually started doing workshops that we call Seven Paths Forward. Mm-hmm. So there's a website, seven, the num, numeral seven, sevenpathsforward.com that has some information. But that, that's, you know, part of what we're doing and helping coaches figure out how they can learn to be great coaches today and agile coaches for tomorrow. So that's, that's really the mission that we're tackling in, with that group. The three ingredients that we've built in to this process that I think are, are essential for, for leaders, for coaches, for everybody, number one is an attitude of experimentation, tackling new challenges, uh, essentially what I call the DNA of VUCA. So the VUCA world is, uh, it's an acronym that's become pretty common in, in people talking about the future and the complexity of the world today. V for volatile, U for uncertain, C for complex, A for ambiguous. So the world that we're facing is complex, ambiguous, uncertain, uh, rapidly changing. DNA stands for diversity, novelty and adversity. So intentionally seeking experiences that are new, different and challenging 
so that we get good at that. So the more experience you have with working with diverse audiences, with challenging audiences, experiencing adversity and building your own resilience, the better prepared you are for the future. So that intentionally seeking new different experiences. Um, And I would say for coaches, find the most difficult clients that you can work with. Mm. Get experience dealing with people just outside your comfort zone. Mm. Um, the second thing just to just to can i ask a question about that so presumably that's doing two things one is um you're you're getting experience uh in in these new areas you know uh with new clients uh with new types of coaching or technology that then um you know can open up new possibilities for you of new avenues of work yeah sure go ahead you're gonna have to move to a different room ah okay all right Recording yeah. for a second here. Yeah, you can just leave it on and walk around or whatever. Uh, <laughs> sure, we can. It, it's a good um, lesson for dealing with disruption. Yeah. So hang on, I will do that. There's a really good chance that there'll be a room right around the corner. Cool. Whereabouts are you at the moment? Are you in um, an office somewhere? Yes, I'm in Mountain View. I'm actually in Sunnyvale, California. That's cool. Cause is that the, cause I know you work with Google too. Is that, are you in the Google headquarters or are you in a different space? Yeah, this is a Google office. Yeah. And another room. Nice. So All right. what I was saying was, yeah, I mean, uh, seeking new experiences, maybe uh, experiences outside your comfort zone. What I like about that is that it both prepare, gets that muscle built inside of you as a coach, as a person. So then you're also able to help your clients with that. But also it's, it's introducing you to new experiences that open up new possibilities around your work and new types of clients. And so you're, there's a kind of new energy coming in all the time. That's what I like about that suggestion. Exactly. And to benefit from all of those new diverse experiences, you need reflection. Mm. You need to step back and make sense of things. So that's the second ingredient, uh, reflection. You have the experience, you reflect on it. What should I learn from that? What are the patterns that I see? Where else could I apply this? And reflection to be effective requires two other things that many coaches have and many leaders struggle with. Uh, One is humility, Mm. that that reflection, really effective reflection requires that you adopt an attitude of humility. Like I could be wrong. You know, maybe what I've been doing isn't the best way Um, as opposed to arrogant, like, Oh, I know better than them. Like, Maybe I don't. So that, that kind of humility and genuine curiosity mm. that, you know, what, what could be different? Like, what's another way to do this? So really bringing non-judgmental curiosity and humility to the reflection. So that, that's an essential part of that. Mm. And the third ingredient is actually, uh, I, I, the, I don't know what to call this, but community. It's connecting with others. It's social support. It's dialogue and engagement with people around you. Mm -hmm. And ideally, if that community is diverse, so you're getting more exposure to different ideas, to different kinds of experiences, different kinds of people, 
it feeds into this cycle of you get a new experience, you reflect on it, you share it with friends and learn from them, you get support and encouragement, you know, and, and it feeds the, the soul as well. So those three ingredients, uh, if you invest in all of them, will actually help prepare you for the future. Mm-hmm. Continually seeking new experiences, seeking new social connections and networks, and reflecting on the process. What comes up for me as you share that is, in a way, I felt that happening with me. So let me let me say, like, I, I had this idea for Coaches Rising. What's the future of coaching? Maybe we can create something on that. I Google your stuff. I find your presentation. It, it impacts me. I reach out to you. and But even, even in looking at it, I'm introduced to new ideas that get me thinking, expand my my thinking, my and 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 already I've started to to try out new things, to pursue new things. For instance, for me, it's like around the how I can bring technology into my coaching. You know, how can I start to work with people's states and help people monitor their states and and, and include that in the work that I'm doing to stay relevant. So I wanted to share that because it's it's kind of for me showing what you're saying. So. That's great. I love it. What, what are you doing? Like, what are, what's the, some of the stuff, like, maybe we can keep expanding on how coaches could stay ahead of the game. Like, what do you have some sense for you what's really important to help you stay ahead of the game, other than those things you've said, which are really powerful? Well, the... Um, I'm going to, to go again back in time to, to start with one example, and then I'll talk about some current things. You know, thinking about your earlier question about why did I end up doing this? I've had an orientation most of my life that has led me to expose myself to new ideas and new ways of thinking. And very often it starts with me being annoyed at somebody or something you know, like, why would anybody say something as stupid as that? And shifting that from a complaint to a curiosity. Mm-hmm. So I remember, uh, I think when I was in high school, I would go into like a doctor's office or a dentist's office, and I would see these magazines laying, uh, you know, on the tables or and, and say, like, who would read this stupid stuff? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like guns and ammo or ladies home journal or pet fancy or, or, you know, like, eh, I want to read Rolling Stone or I want to read, you know, uh, Time or, or, or Newsweek, you know, uh, and it's interesting. I mean, the whole magazine industry has been disrupted and transformed. So I don't read magazines anymore, except for the New Yorker. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, the New Yorker, I think is a great source of, uh, because they, they cover so many different topics in such depth. It's a great thing to read. Right. Um, to get exposed to new ideas and you know, things I would never naturally yeah. reach for. Um, highly recommend that as, as one way to, to just continue to expose yourself to different ideas. But I would stare at these magazines in the, the dentist's office and it's like, who would read these? And I just thought, they're so stupid. And I thought, well, obviously, there's a bunch of people who like this and read this. Like, what, you know, who are they? And so I started reading some of these things, browsing them with the intention of trying to figure out who actually would find this interesting. And that is where I I saw myself developing what I now think of as empathy. 
mm. the ability to put myself into other people's shoes, to see things from different perspectives and valuing empathy and that ability in a way that you know, I think was part of the path of becoming a coach. And so for my whole life up until you know, probably two years ago, when I would go into a, a dentist's office or doctor's office or uh, sitting in an airport, if there's magazines laying around, wh wherever I am, I will pick up what looks like the least appealing magazine and read the least appealing article <laughs> in there. Maybe not read it, but skim it. With that intention of, you know, what appeals to someone about this? Like, mm. who would care about this? And really try to look at it from their perspective. And then I can often come back and say, you know what? I never would have learned this thing about um, hunting and fishing, you know, if I hadn't read that. And I, can, I look for analogies. I look for where might that principle or concept serve me in my work. Huh. And so uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue of empathy. It's a cognition issue. Can I, can I see patterns? Can I make sense of this? Can I transfer this insight from one domain to another domain? So I think it's really contributed to learning agility. So it, it's that kind of, you know, I don't know why I started doing that. It was really, really random, but it's become a great metaphor for a lot of what I'm talking about today. Exposing yourself to something that doesn't make sense, that's new and different, figuring out what is it that appeals to people. So cultivating that empathy and ability to look at things from different perspectives and then trying to apply it in a new setting, which is really the heart of, of learning agility. So anything that will enable you to do that in a more systematic way. And you can see it's got exposure to new ideas, reflection, application, and that, that learning cycle. So yeah. that, that historical, um, process has been really really useful for me and so i mean one of the things that that i'm getting about this is that um we need to keep upping our level of what makes for great coaching you know like we we need to be doing deep learning deep growth work uh improving our skills evolving what coaching is and 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 upping that bar because that bar is going to be going up anyway you know and so and i think one of the things that maybe is bodes well for a lot of coaches that I know is that, you know, like me, they take me, for example, I, I'm just, I just love learning and I love to find new things. And I'm, you know, I'm, I, in some way I have that evolving uh, kind of dynamic in my nature, you know? Um, and at the same time, I acknowledge my own complacency. I acknowledge that I have blind spots and I acknowledge, you know, that, but I think, um, it speaks to me about like I'm dedicated on my path, you know, of my work as, as a coach. It's not just a career for me. Uh, it's, it's, it's work of deep service. And, and, and that does something inside of me, you know, it, it, it creates a certain commitment to the craft. And I think that's what we need as coaches. Yeah. So I, I referenced um, this seven paths forward mm. that, that we're doing. So, uh, you didn't ask me what are the seven paths. Which oh, yeah, I, sure. Please, yeah. That's, no, that's, that's just fine. Uh, but that, it's something that you know, usually is the first next question. That, what, what are you talking about? What, what seven paths? What is that? Um, but the, the, the paths start with staying ahead of the market. 
you know, so how will you, you know, and, and what you said just now that kind of sparked it for me was that service, like yeah. deep service. Like how do we serve our clients better? How do we, you know, really uh, what I call uh, practice true professionalism? There's a book by David Meister that was really influential in my life uh, early on as a consultant and coach that I still reference today. Uh, Do you remember the name of that book? Uh, True Professionalism. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, like I, yeah. I stole the label from him, but right. uh, I, I think it's a great book and still really relevant. Um, how do we serve our clients' needs more effectively? Mm-hmm. And so that mindset, and, and so I, I loved what you were saying about you know, that deep service, that, that mm-hmm. attitude, that orientation that you try to bring. Because if that question is, how do I serve my clients better, is the lead question, as opposed to how do I make more money as a coach? You know, how do I find clients that I, more clients that I like working with, you know, as opposed to more clients who truly need me? where I can add value. It's a, mm. it's a different orientation. Mm. And then staying ahead of the market by really being great leaders. You know, so those are some of the kinds of, of things that we're talking about in, in, on, on these seven paths. Mm. Nice, nice. Um, I, just maybe uh, we didn't, uh, this is for another conversation, but and you, you work, you just said you're in the uh, Mountain View and you're, you're working developing leaders there. Um, coaching leaders what what's the number one topic you're working with as a coach coaching leaders in that environment like what what's the what's the essential thing that you've just got to know about coaching those leaders um i if there's one thing it's basically a meta thing Mm -hmm. um and and that is really really working with each person as an individual. So the, the, this is a very complex company, very diverse. And I think in, in some ways a microcosm of the, the larger world. Um, but how do you meet this individual where they are? What are their challenges? What's their style? Um, what do they need right now? What's the context that they're operating in? And one of the, the lessons that I learned um, that, that when I first started working here that I'd seen earlier, but that really is, is essential here, is knowing how to move as fast as possible and recognize when it's time to step back and slow down. Mm. So that ability to push them, to, to challenge people, to keep pace with them, and yet say, let's stop for a second and step back. So how do you shift quickly and effectively between going fast and going slow, you know, pushing really hard because it's a very fast paced world and taking time to reflect. So making that, those connections between like, go try this, go experiment, do this, and then let's step back and reflect and learn. Mm-hmm. So I, I also, um, well, okay, I'll, I'll stay on, on this, this path for a second here just to, to, um, play it through. Um, it's an environment where things tend to move so fast and people are always asking, you know, what's, what's the quick fix? What's the answer? Help me with this. You know, it's very, very pragmatic and finding ways to actually get them to slow down, do some thinking and see the underlying patterns. And so that's, like I said, it's a meta issue 
but that's one of the common elements across all the people that I work with here. So yeah. whether that's dealing with the difficult team, being more strategic, it's really making that connection between here's the immediate opportunity to do something differently that, that has a positive impact. And here's how we're going to think about finding the, the root cause or the deeper pattern that lies underneath that. Yeah. Beautiful. I saw you refer to, I think it was at Ken Wilber's map of stages of consciousness or in your presentation. And it reminds me of that, you know, cause this is something I see with the leaders I work with. It's like they're, they're in a lot of, busyness and doingness and on the front line and then you're saying hey we want we need to step back and look at these underlying patterns and structures of meaning making and 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 that's where there's real leverage and but there's always a kind of like you know that that it's a counter instinctual move almost or or like what's why would i slow down to go faster you know like they just they need to set that a powerful context to do that yeah, so that ability to see the larger system, to recognize that we, we are embedded in systems and layers of systems. Mm -hmm. And if you don't stop and look back at the broader system and take time to try to recognize the patterns, you're just always solving the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So there, there's so many different metaphors for this, you know, root cause analysis. But I, I like, like, I don't understand Ken Wilber. <laughs> but the... The, the um, larger and larger system, you know, so the, the, there, there's so many people working in, in this space. Um, I think it's, um, you know, a lot of it started, um, at least from my perspective, um, uh, Bob Keegan. Yeah. yeah. His work on, on uh, uh, cognitive complexity and, and maturity uh, I, I think was, was really influential. A lot of other people have continued that path, yeah. but that very, that primary principle of, you know, can you look at the a system and step back and see the larger system and see your own place? Right. In that system? That's the skill that I think is essential for the future as well. Uh, recognizing the longer and longer term patterns at play. Right. Hey, well, I know it's where at the time we scheduled. So um, I want to say thank you very much. And you mentioned your website. Maybe you could just give the, the address of that one more time. We can find out more there. Sevenpathsforward.com. Seven, the numeral, sevenpathsforward.com. And uh, we've, we've got some of my presentations up there, some articles. We've, we've started a blog. But uh, I would love to hear if people have questions or suggestions uh, once you take a look at that. So thanks very much. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I hope we get the chance to speak again at some point in the future. Have a great day, yeah? Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Right. Hi, it's Joel here again. And I just want to say a couple of things. Um, if you like this interview, you can find more like them by heading to our website. There's a page there, coachesrising.com forward slash podcasts and you can see all the previous guests so you could also get in a feed or subscribe to that through whichever podcast player you've got and the second thing is just if you could spread the word I mean I just want to get these interviews out to as many people as possible I I want these dialogues to serve coaching to help um, even elevate the field of coaching that's a lofty mission um, but that's what I'm going to try and do and so if you could share these interviews with other coaches or head to the website and click on the share icon on each individual 
podcast page there. I'd really appreciate that. So having said that, I just want to wish you well and I'll see you again next time. <laughs>